If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Going to do a little segment. Are these players good? Some uh, some players that have been catching our attention early on in the season. Got a recap of hopefully everything that happened on Monday night. We'll update you on the West Coast games a little bit later on. Reminder for those listening on the podcast side that we do record these late the night before. Um, and I have a scheduling note on the Rockies to talk about. Some team name Tuesday. Uh, do we have a new name for Sweet and Savory? I don't know. Let's find out. But let's start with the big news right before we're getting started here. Fernando Tatis... Swings the bat very hard, uh, swing and miss, goes down, looks like he's holding his wrist, it, elbow. It looked like he was holding his left wrist, but you know that could just be like trying to stabilize it. We know he had the shoulder issue in, in spring, um, but it looked bad. Did not look good. Yeah, the kids say you hate to see it. So if we get any update on Fernando Tatis throughout the course of the podcast, we will definitely fill you in on that but uh, just immediately walked off the field with trainers and and went straight into uh, the clubhouse. So we'll see what happens with uh, Fernando Tatis, but obviously consensus first-round pick. I mean, in Roto, he was a top-five pick and obviously very pivotal to many fantasy teams out there, but uh, we don't have information as of now. Once we do, we will let you know. What's going on, Scott? I'm doing fine, Frank. Doing fine. All right. you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Your boy Ty Buttry, man. I don't know if you saw, but he he retired from baseball. Mm. You want to jump into this right now? No, 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 no. I just I, I wanted to I wanted to make sure that you know. Maybe I don't know. I, maybe we'll have a visit from a special guest later on in the podcast. I don't know. Just maybe yeah. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm working on a little script here in between <laughs> takes. We'll see how it goes. All righty, we'll see what happens. Let's uh, let's jump right into our oh my goodness gracious player of the night from a Monday. Oh my good. All right, Scotty, why don't you kick us off with your player of the night or day? There was a lot of day games. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with one from the day. I'm going to go with Akil Badu. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, of the Tigers. We've talked about him before. We talked about the big spring he had as a Rule 5 pick from the Twins organization, showing power and speed and plate discipline. 
uh, you know, hadn't really played above the high minors. Of course, we don't know what kind of development took place for him in 2020. But he started for the second straight game for the Tigers. He homered for the second straight game for the Tigers, actually a grand slam. Both of the home runs hit the opposite way. He also stole a base in the game, which, again, we saw him do his share of that in spring training. Uh, obviously, the Tigers lineup is is one that where, where it doesn't make sense to hold back a, a player with genuine upside. Should have no problems breaking into that. Uh, maybe it's already started playing back-to-back games. So uh, I think uh, I think certainly in five outfielder leagues, Badu is somebody you'll want to go ahead and pick up. I don't know, even in like even in like shallow leagues, if you just want an upside play, you got some boring guy on your bench. I don't know, like what's what's a good example of a boring guy who's probably universally rostered, but you just know isn't going to be an impactful player in a shallow league. So I, had, I don't know. I, I had AJ I Pollock written down, Scott. He's AJ yeah. Pollock is fifty eight percent rostered. I, yeah, not as rostered as you think, right? No, I I think that's that's too much. I would I think I would okay. want to drop someone like AJ Pollock to take a shot on uh, Akil Badu. Yeah, and, certainly in a shallow league. It's it, yeah. and and that's the way I was answering these questions on Twitter. Is is like in in sh- the, the the reason I make a distinction is because in shallow leagues you can burn through so many players like in, in pursuit of upside and and it doesn't really hurt you because they're going to be comparable players always on waivers, you know, in a deep league, you know, AJ Pollock, that, that, that standard of player doesn't come around nearly as often. You probably have somebody worse. You can drop in a deep league for, for Badu. Uh, but that's that's kind of what I was getting at with that deep league, shallow league distinction. One that we got a few times today, Scott, was uh, Leody Tavares with the Texas Rangers. Would you drop him for Akil Badu, even in a yeah. deep league? Yeah, I mean, I, I see him as a steel specialist at best. And, you know, if it's a five outfield league or roto league, you probably need more steals. But the thing is, like, if Badu makes good on this, he's going to contribute stolen bases as well. So, yeah, and uh, Tavares probably has a pretty short leash at this point. It wasn't clear he was even going to make the team uh, by the end of spring. So it's entirely possible he's out of the picture. If he, you know, I think he has eight strikeouts in his first like 10 play appearances or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it may not be long. You take a chance on the upside when it presents itself. I don't know where it goes from here, obviously. Maybe Badu goes 0 for his next 12 and, 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 and then sits four strike games and we drop him and Never hear from him again, but I think there's a chance there's something here, especially coming off the big spring. And he, I mean, he wasn't like a top 100 prospect, but he's a legit prospect, I think. Like, he was a third-round pick in uh, 2016, and, like, the minor league numbers don't jump off the off the page. Uh, 780 OPS, 249 batting average, um, but he was pretty young for every level. I mean, he's only 22 right now making the majors, having never played above high A. So, uh, you know, he was one of like the 20 youngest players in the Florida State League in 2019. He only played 29 games. I assume there was some kind of injury there, but I'm not, uh, I haven't seen that. 2018, he was, you know, again, one of the 26 youngest players. So, um, you know, there, there's the potential that there, that, there's something real here. And it's team name Tuesday, so you can always go with Scooble Badoo Badoo. 
No reaction. I, is that a Scooby Doo yeah. thing? No, no, it's just yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, no, I, that's <laughs> yeah. You could do that. You could name All right. team that. They hate it. It's fine. Uh, Akil Badu is 18% roster on CBS. I think that number should be a little bit higher. Had an absolute monster spring to 13 for 40 with five home runs, four steals, a good amount of strikeouts, 14 Ks, but he also walked 10 times. So balance it out a little bit there. Chris, oh my goodness gracious from Monday. Can I do three different guys? No. Wow. No. Okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> am I well, a goodness? They're all, well, I, I ask because they're all very similar. Uh, actually, and it's it's a trio of lefties who looked or are, as we are currently talking, are in the midst of looking very, very impressive. Uh, but if I have to pick one, uh, if you're going to call the police on me because I didn't pick one player. Those are the rules. Big fan of rules. Steve, Steven Metz. Uh, <laughs> he looked excellent today. Um, 95.3 miles per hour with his fastball that was up about a mile per hour. He was consistently higher early on in the start. He couldn't quite hold on to it. But, you know, last year we saw that was the highest velocity he'd ever had before. I think there was like an hour, a mile and a half hour, mile and a half per hour jump up in velocity for Matt's from 2019 to 2020. And he's up again. He had 15 whiffs on 91 pitches, you know, 32% changeups, 12% curveballs, 9% slider. So, you know, a legitimate four pitch, four pitch mix. He got whiffs on all four of those pitches. Um, yes, it was the Rangers. They don't have a good lineup, although they, you know, hit pretty well in their first series. I guess Steven Matz is better than anyone the Royals have, but uh, I'm very impressed by what Steven Matz did today. And if he's available, I will be looking to add him. He is only 52% rostered on CBS right now. Again, Steven Matz is the one that we're talking about. And you'll get him. The two other lefties. I'm probably going to be more excited about the two other lefties for what it's worth. Um, See, I, I think so. We're talking about Carlos Rodon and Trevor Rogers. Rogers, the, the line doesn't look good, uh, but he really had one bad inning. And I, I think there were some catching issues in that inning. But uh, Rogers, who we talked about a lot in the spring, had a you know big velocity jump this spring. And he uh, I want to say he threw seven pitches in the first inning that were all harder thrown than any pitch he threw last season. Trevor Rogers, he averaged, uh, let's see, 95.3 with his fastball, 1.7 miles per hour, up 17 whiffs on 77 pitches. And he was very yeah, good after baby. that first inning. It that's was what I like to see. You know, see it's it's the kind of, he hit 98. Well, that's what's elite for a lefty. That's what jumps out to me. What also jumps out to me is, you know, last year, Trevor Rogers, he, he showed good strikeout potential, but it was mostly uh, playing the fastball and changeup off each yeah. other. They both had high whiff rates. He actually threw his changeup just 13% of the time in this game. He yeah. went to his slider more, which, you know, some of the reports out of spring training said he had more confidence in it this time around. And he still got 17 whiffs on 77 pitches, still this amazing swinging strike rate. So, um, yeah, he looks like he could be a, a, uh, a really, really big bat misser. And... If I picked up Trevor Rogers for the two starts, there's no way I'm dropping him after this start. Yeah. Yeah. Do not drop Trevor Rogers. I know the final line doesn't look great, but a lot of that damage came in the first inning. And after that first inning, he allowed just one base runner. Uh, yeah. He from- had four walks in the first inning. Yeah. I, th- I think he might have been overthrowing because he dialed the velocity back. And that's the kind of thing when you show you can throw 98. That kind of makes me think like, well, maybe he should throw 95, 96, have a little better command, but still have 98 in the back pocket. Um, 
So that might have been what happened as the start went on. So that's basically our uh, Are These Players Good segment because I had Akil <laughs> Badu and I had Steven Madsen there. So uh, I should have known that you guys were going to choose them anyway. But um, Scott, would you drop someone like David Price for Steven Matz? David Price is still 64% rostered on CBS. I don't have a problem dropping Price. I don't. How about I'm gonna I'm give not, you I'm gonna give you three lefties in a row here. Mad Bum, David Price, Andrew Heaney. They're all between sixty-four and sixty-five percent roster. Would you drop all three of them for Steven Matz? Yeah, they all seem super replaceable to me. I'd be fine with that. But again, I would I would prioritize Rogers over Matz. I would prior, to, prioritize uh let's see the update on his start, but I think yeah, Carlos Rodon. Rodon. Yeah, you don't want to jinx Oof. it, but Oof. seven strikeouts and three and a third right now. He's wow. consistently pumping 97, 98 into the fourth inning. Um, he added a curveball. I don't know if he's used it yet, but he looks really good, like better than than he has in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess the reason I'm kind of downplaying Matts, and you know, I, you know how I uh, aggressive I am about roster moves this time of year. Anybody who shows an inkling of potential, I'll pretty much make a move for. But you know, Matts has been around for a long time. He's faked us out a lot, and I don't really see what what he did differently to get this result. He was throwing a little harder, but you know, not, not such a big jump that I imagine it being completely transformational. He did throw his change up more than we're used to seeing 33% of the time. Uh, last year was the highest he ever threw at 25% of the time, but last year he was also awful. So, well, I don't so know. I, I'll just point out he, um, his, like I said earlier, his velocity was up. He was throwing in 2019, he was 93.3 miles per hour. 2020, he was 94.5. In this one, he was 95.3. So he's throwing significantly harder than he has uh, for pretty much his entire career, except for his rookie season, which was pretty brief. Okay, so we're just compared to last year. It's not that much higher, but you're saying yeah. compared to the rest of the career. Compared to the baseline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, that is Steven Matz. So I, I think we, we kind of agree that he's good. And a few names that, again, you could drop for him. David Price, Madison Bumgarner, Andrew Heaney. Carlos Rodon is currently pitching against the Mariners. We'll update you on his line later on in the show. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. I just wanted to highlight J.D. Martinez, along with a few other hitters, just because he, I feel like, is going to be under such a microscope this first month of the season because last year just completely plummeted, fell off the face of the earth, 680 OPS, Obviously, a weird season for him, a weird season for everybody, but specifically mentioned that not having in-game video was a big adjustment for J.D. Martinez, and other players have talked about it as well, Christian Yelich and Javier Baez, to name a few, Uh, but so far, Martinez has looked great. On Monday, two for three with two walks, hit his second home run of the season. He had another ball off the wall in center field in Fenway. Uh, That actually was only a single, so that's hilarious because he's so slow. Um... But yeah, I just I want to pay attention early on. I mean, just back in 2019, he was the 21st best hitter in both Roto and head-to-head points. So, yeah. I mean, if he comes anywhere near that, based on where he was being drafted, usually rounds, I don't know, anywhere from like 6 to 8, then he's going to be a huge value. And the OPS for J.D. Martinez was uh, up over 900 each season between 2016 and ni- uh, 2019. So and He's hitting the ball very hard so far, for what yeah. it's worth. It's a super you know, small early, sample but... size, so like you don't want to overvalue it, but I'm just going to continue to update people on... These hitters that we're, we're watching very closely from uh, last year that struggled. And I want to mention that with J.D. Martinez, as great as he's been, both Brewers sluggers, I guess you can call them, but Keston Hiera on the complete other end of the spectrum, he's 0 for 15 to start a season with eight strikeouts and zero walks. 
and strikeouts were the big issue for Keston Hero last year. Same with Christian Yelich, just three for 15 to open the season with nine strikeouts, only one walk, a 56% strikeout rate. It's he only has 16 plate appearances, but uh, the strikeouts were an issue for both Keston Hira and Christian Yelich last season. Uh, Scott, any takeaways on, on any of these guys? J.D. Martinez, Hira, Yelich? It's still early. Yeah, I, I mean, the one I worry about is Hira because it's been you know, last season, this spring, now entering this season. And, you know, we don't have a lot of track record of success there like we do with the Yelich, so... Um, yeah, it's not I mean, to the it's, point I'm dropping Hera, but it, you're not I want to see more it. soon. <laughs> I want to see and, better soon. And the thing with Hera is it was really, like as much as I like him, it was three months as a rookie. You know, he was not great when he first got called up. It was a ton of strikeouts. He got sent back down. Um, and then he was awesome for the you know last three months, but it was still a lot of strikeouts. So it's definitely concerning. I'm I'm maybe not panicking yet. Back but down again. What's that? Maybe, maybe he needs to get sent back down again. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you know it takes a little while. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 been concerning for Keston Hira. The the Brewers lineup. I'm pretty sure they're just bad too. I will talk about Trevor Williams a little bit later on. He was really good on Monday night, but it might just be that the Brewers lineup is is really bad. So uh, we'll get into that, but. Before we hit the news and notes, just want to remind everyone that, yes, it is that time of the year again, Masters Week, the Azaleas, Butter, Butler Cabin, the Green Jacket, the Pimento Cheese Sandwiches. Ooh, baby, CBS Sports is your home, as always, to watch DJ, Brooks, Rory, and all the action unfold at Augusta. Whether you're looking to watch on the range featuring groups, Amen Corner, holes 15 and 16, all four rounds. And of course, the CBS broadcast over the weekend. It's all available on CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports mobile app, and Paramount Plus, Pimento Cheese Sandwich not included. But we're working on that for next year. I love that. That was great. Um, some news and notes. The Marlins placed Eliezer Hernandez on the IL with right by with that right biceps injury that he suffered over the weekend. Garrett Cooper was placed on the COVID IL after he had a bad reaction to the COVID vaccine. Craig Mish reported that it should not be a long stay on the COVID IL for Garrett Cooper. The Orioles placed Austin Hayes on the 10-day IL with a hamstring injury. That should help shore up some playing time for one Cedric Mullins, who is off to a pretty nice start this to the season, and he led off Monday against the lefty, Jordan Montgomery, so it was nice to see uh, Cedric Mullins still in there. Danny Jansen left Monday's game after getting hit with a pitch on his knee. Maybe this opens up more playing time for Alejandro Kirk, so we'll be paying close attention to Danny Jansen. Some Padres updates outside of Fernando Tatis, of course. Trent Grisham should be able to return from his hamstring injury this weekend against the Rangers, and catcher Austin Nola is close to taking at-bats at the alternate site. Sonny Gray, who was dealing with a mid-back strain, said he felt, quote, really, really, really good during his 60-pitch outing at the Reds' alternate training site on Monday. He is targeting a mid-April return. Julian Merriweather, lots of fab bids this weekend that we were talking about. He may not pitch in back-to-back games early in the season. Apparently, he almost... Yeah, and, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, Jordan Romano was, once again, I, I think, used in the way a closer would be used today. He didn't actually come into the game, but... Uh, he was warming up on two separate occasions in both the eighth and ninth inning when, uh, what's his name? Miza. I don't know his first name. I'm sorry. And then Rafael Dola struggled in the last two innings. So um, 
you know, obviously Julian Merriweather, if he wasn't available, that's one thing, but um, they were looking to bring Romano in to put out a fire if they needed to. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're going to have to follow this because Blue Jays so far look like a pretty good team. And, and obviously whoever their closer is, is going to have a ton of value for fantasy purposes. Uh, Merriweather apparently has a very lengthy injury history and he almost did not make the 26 man roster out of spring due to uh, some tightness in his back. So Merriweather, we're paying attention there. Kevin Kiermaier was removed from Monday's game with quad tightness. Luis Arise of the Minnesota Twins left Monday's game after going one for one with a walk and two runs scored. The Twins say he left with upper gastrointestinal discomfort, which is unrelated to the issue that caused Byron Buxton to leave Sunday's game. A few other lineup notes that I just wanted to highlight from Monday. Shohei Otani was not in the lineup. He argued to play, but apparently uh, the Angels wanted to be safe cautious there. He should be back in the lineup Tuesday, they were saying. Tim Anderson dealing with that hamstring injury. He left Sunday night's game. He was out for the White Sox, and it sounds like he will miss the entire series against the Seattle Mariners. Adam Eaton was also out of the lineup. Ramon Ramon Laureano with the A's and Michael Brantley with the Astros are both dealing with wrist injuries and were both out of their respective lineups on Monday as well. We were just talking up Gavin Lux. He's played every game. He was out (laughs) as well as AJ Pollock for the Dodgers. On Monday, they just have a ton of depth, so I think they're just, you know, giving some guys some time off early in the season. Anthony Santander was out for the Orioles. Taylor Trammell out for the Mariners. Brandon Belt sat against a lefty. Dominic Smith, opening day. He's got to be in the lineup, right? Wrong. He was out against left-hand pitcher Matt Moore. Kevin Pillar was in center field with Brandon Nimmo in left. That's the one. Nimmo in against a lefty like Smith out against the lefty is not surprising Nimmo in against the lefty even though he was batting eighth and Pilar was batting Lee off which is hilarious is like that's that's not great uh you know I think Lim- Smith's probably a better hitter against lefties than than Nimmo is at least he definitely has looked like it over the last two seasons there really hasn't been any discernible split for Dom Smith so you know, you hope it's just kind of a talent will win out and he'll hit well enough to to force the issue and it won't matter. But you know, this is the kind of thing where if Smith just randomly starts out with a, you know, a poor three weeks to the season, it could be tough for him to find playing time. I hope he doesn't. And like, I believe he's a good hitter. But this is why I was starting to back off of him at the end of spring, just because it it really did not seem like they were going to use him as an everyday player um, at least, you know, like literally every day. I, I, I do want to mention just to give an example of how, how this often goes. Kyle Tucker sat out the first game for the Astros last year. He set out two of the first three games for the Astros last year and everybody was flipping out. Should I drop Kyle Tucker? Yada, yada. And then, you know, he became a mainstay right after that. Um, so I could see it playing out similarly for Smith. Not that, the alternate scenario is impossible. I just don't I just yeah. don't think you should overreact to one game. I think it's more likely that he's playing 85% of the time than not. I don't I'd be pretty surprised if he was playing 95% of their games or starting 95%. But I would think he's going to play enough that you're not going to notice when he's out. But just saying, like if he does get off to a slow start, it could create an uphill battle. It's the kind of thing that could snowball, unfortunately. Mets are going to met, man. Dom Smith has been great against lefties the past two years, too. 876 OPS in 2019 against him, 900 OPS last year against left-handed pitching. 
So I think he's awesome, and he would be playing for sure if there was a universal GH, but unfortunately, that is not the case. Travis Shaw and Lorenzo Cain were both out of the lineup for the Brewers on Monday. Uh, Shaw sat out back-to-back games after starting the first two. Lorenzo Cain working his way back from a quad injury, so I think they're just being safe there. Uh, Jock Peterson and Jason Hayward out against a lefty. Bobby Dahlbeck was out for the Red Sox against Michael Waka. He uh, Dahlbeck has started the season 0 for 10 with five strikeouts. And Jesse Winker was out of the lineup with a non-COVID-related illness. Are these players good? Well, we already spoke about Akil Badu and Steven Matz. And Carlos Rodon, I was going to give an update. He's four shutout, two hits, three walks. Walked yeah, the control got away from him a little bit in that uh, fourth inning. But yeah. stuff still looks really good. Eight strikeouts so far for Carlos Rodon. 81 pitches through four. Uh, 17 whiffs. 17 whiffs on 81 pitches. I'm not sure that he's going to come back out for the fifth. Actually, I would be pretty surprised if he does. But just want to check in on the the roster rate here for Carlos Rodon. 63% on CBS. That's higher than I expected, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a two-star pitcher and a highly recommended one by yours truly. So I think that, that jumped up a lot because of that. Uh, but I, I, would, uh, I would hope those people decide to hold on to him. It has been pretty much all fastball slider. Yeah. So it hasn't, hasn't really mixed in the changeup as much as hoped. But velocity is back up after being way down last year, uh, coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's getting more spin on the fastball. Yeah, I mean, he, he really hit good. 98 yeah. with his fastball. That's the first time he's done that since 2016. A while. Yeah, Carlos Rodon. Yeah, he's dealt with a couple of injuries the past couple of years, uh, but he looked yeah. really good in the spring. And uh, outside of these walks, he looks really good on Monday night as well. Chris, who would you rather have, Carlos Rodon or Steven Matz? Um, I think I would actually go with Matz. I, I just, I think I trust him more to stay healthy and, and pitch deep into games. Scott? Go for the Jeez. upside, baby. I mean, maybe it. Chris sees Matt's as the upside, but you know, I, I was. I think they have similar upside. I think they I both was, have upside too. I was liking Rodon before today, so I don't see why that would change after today. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with uh, Scott here by a hair, but I, I do like both. I'm I'm interested. Uh, Steven Matz is still young-ish, and he's kind of had that upside, so. Uh, I like both, but I'll, I'll take Carlos Rodon there. We spoke about yeah, Isaiah. Stephen Matz is, is 29. Okay, he's Jesus. not young-ish. Man, that is shocking. I'm the same age. He was like 24 when he made his debut. So I'm the same We're age as Stephen Matz. Yeah, All of us, including Stephen Matz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know we spoke about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa yesterday. I, I want to talk about him again. Like I really like <laughs> Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He's, he went two for four on Monday with a run scored. He's leading off for the Texas Rangers. He makes a lot of contact. The plate appearances are going to be there. I think there's going to be volume. He's only 28% rostered, five hits over his last two games. Scott, I mean, should he be much higher rostered than 28%? Look, I had I had my flirtation with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa <laughs> last year. We all, we all go there at some point. But I think 28% is, is about what it should be. You know, he's going to play a lot. He's going to have numbers because of that but they're not going to be they're not going to be any numbers that really set you ahead anywhere uh you know maybe above average in stolen bases but that's it i will say i think he's a fine option if you lost kid brian hayes uh maybe it's a deeper league but 
Isaiah Kiner-Falefa does have third base eligibility. He's not going to give you the same things as Cabrian Hayes, obviously, but I think he's a quality player. How about Evelyn Gloria? I guess another third base replacement for Cabrian Hayes, and uh, he actually just hit his third home run here on Monday night. He is 37% rostered. Longoria has three home runs in four games to start the year, and last year he was actually surprisingly, like he was solid, but the underlying numbers were way better. He had 254 expected batting average, 280 for Longoria, a 425 slug with a 521 expected slug. So, Chris, is Evan Longoria good? He's had a very nice career. Uh, was one of the best <laughs> baseball players in the world for quite a while. I like. I think he can be fine. I think he can be Brian Anderson esque, maybe. But I don't think. Um, is he playing every day so far? Yeah, because I think the expectation was that he wouldn't play every day. But if he is, um, you know, that does change it. I think you know, in a fifteen team roto league, like you can you can add him to your to your bench. I think that's a one. The one who's not playing every day. Is Tommy Listella? Yeah, Tommy Listella. That's very. Tommy Listella has started one of their first four games. Yeah. Wow. And that's and and the, the opening series was in Seattle. They had the DH spot. Yeah, that's Tommy frustrating because he was batting leadoff all spring. So I don't know what's going on there. That's disappointing. It's been it's, bad for it's my three team. lefties that he's sat against, and he yeah. bats left-handed. But but he was but, batting leadoff against lefties in spring too. Yeah. So maybe because Brandon Belt was sick. Yeah. I don't well, Belt's not in the lineup today either. Yeah, no, it, it's not it's not what you want. That's a team that does have a lot of moving parts. Um so yeah, maybe maybe that could be an issue all season long. Uh Chris, who would you rather have as as a Cabrian Hayes replacement? Longoria or Kiner Falefa? Um I think I would go with Kiner Falefa. Nice. Yeah, I think I would. All right, here's a bonus one. Is this guy really good? And no, it's not a Yankee thing. But Jordan Montgomery up against the Orioles. I wasn't their best lineup. Anthony Santander was was not in the lineup. But six shutout on Monday, four hits, seven strikeouts to zero walks, sixteen whiffs on seventy three pitches for Montgomery. He threw five different pitches at least ten times. So he he has a a bit of an arsenal. And last year the surface numbers were not great, but. 5.11 ERA, 3.64 XFIP yeah. with a 12.9% swinging strike rate. That would have been tied for the same mark as Trevor Bauer. So, Scott, 80% roster for Montgomery. I don't think he's really out there outside of shallow leagues. Add him if he's available in your league. But is there a chance that he's really good? I think there's a chance. Yeah, he wasn't. He, he didn't get a lot of attention from me as a sleeper coming into the season, but you can see the argument. I mean, he was a hard luck case last year, as you already spelled out the X, the expected stats looked a lot better than the actual ones. Uh, he's always shown good strikeout potential. And I mean, the change he, he used his changeup, I think more than any other pitch today. And it is a really good pitch. It's, uh, you know, 16 whiffs on those 73 pitches. He threw his changeup a third of the time. and got nine of the 16 whiffs on that. So, the fact he went six innings on just 73 pitches, I know it was against the Orioles, but you do that against any team. Like that's, that's really, it's really impressive. So yeah, I, I think, you know, he's not there yet. I can't commit to saying that yet, but I think there's a chance. Uh, I think there's a chance he takes a step forward this year, another year removed from Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that change up 39% whiff rate last season, 79.7 mile per hour average exit velocity. Uh, 245 expected Woba. 
a real good pitch. Yep. And, and I mentioned the arsenal. I'm, Montgomery only used his sinker and four-seam fastball a combined 27% of the time on Monday. Used yep. a curveball 19%, cutter 19%, and that changed up 34% of the time. So I, I, I like the arsenal. I like the repertoire for for Jordan Montgomery. If you if you have him on your team, I think you should feel, feel pretty damn good about that. And, and again, any 10-team, 18-team leagues that he's available, I'd go out and make sure that Jordan Montgomery... Is on your team. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, Mercedes. What do you another, do? Another extra base hit just now. That's two for the day. He has, what'd you say, three or four hard hit balls already today? Three hard hit. I, well, presumably that one was a hard hit ball. Uh, but yeah, he, he had two heading into that one. Love him. Yeah, that had to have been a hard hit ball. <laughs> he hit it hard. Some deeper league <laughs> names from Monday. Are any of these guys good? I mean, this is... Uh, the, the, we're gonna we're gonna stretch the term good here. You know, it's it's a relative term at this point. But Danny Duffy at the at Cleveland six shutout uh, with eleven whiffs on ninety seven pitches. Jose De Leon was at home against the Pirates with no kid Brian Hayes. Uh, he went five plus two earned nine strikeouts. That was interesting. Trevor Williams up against the Brewers. Now uh, he's with the Chicago Cubs, no longer with the Pirates. Trevor Williams six plus innings there, two earned with six strikeouts. And Nick Pavetta, old friend, at one point thought maybe he's better than Shane Bieber. Hasn't really worked out that way. Five shutout with the Red Sox, four walks, four strikeouts, meh. Uh, All of these pitchers are 22% rostered or less on CBS. Duffy, DeLeon, Williams, Pavetta. Chris, are any of these pitchers good? I don't know. Like Trevor Williams has been interesting or has been decent in the past. He was never interesting. I was going to say interesting is um, not the right word. But you know, the fact that he got that many whiffs is, is yeah, it was never, never much of a bad misser prior to this start. Um, 17 so, whiffs. Yeah. Second he, most he's, he's ever had. He's below Matt. He's below Rodon. He's below Rogers. He's below Jose de Leon for me, who I, I think should be um, in all head to head points leagues. He's expected to stay in the rotation for at least a little while longer, right? Because yes. if Gray comes back, it's not going to push him out necessarily. Uh, I, well, yeah. I mean, we're, he's pitching in the rotation before Wade Miley. Yeah. So we're, we're talking know. about Jose De Leon now, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He he looked pretty good, and um, certainly, you know, he's a spark. So in a points league, he he's worth adding. Yep. And I traded him to Nando in the Scott White Dynasty League, so I don't know. Maybe I'll end up regretting that one. But I think I'm starting him against well, Scott in one league. <laughs> Just so people know the backstory on Jose de Leon, because we're going, you know, it's dating back to 2015, 2016, when he was this really high-end prospect. 2016 in the minors, a 261 ERA, .94 whip, 11.6 K per nine. Got traded from the Dodgers to the Rays. Had a lot of injury problems, lost velocity. Seems to have the velocity back now. And uh, nine strikeout game here. So it's a chance he stays in the rotation. I think it's, I think of the four, he's the... He's the most likely to be good. Pavetta may be the second most, though. I would have liked to see more than what he showed today. It was it was interesting. He threw his slider 40% of the time. That's more than twice as often as he normally throws it, and it's his best pitch. It's usually a key to success. Uh, but, you know, with all those walks, it, it kind of it undermined the performance for Pavetta. The one way. I'm least confident is good is Duffy. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I pointed this out on Twitter today, and I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but I feel like any time I've ever tried to pick up Danny Duffy, it's you see him perform well on your waiver wire, you pick him up, you put him in your lineup, and then he gives you like a 7.5 ERA and a 2.5 whip, you know, like 
three fantasy points on your team. You drop him. Then he has another really good start, and you want to pick him up, and it's just like the same cycle over and over again for Danny Duffy. He does pitch in the American League Central, so like you're going to have times to stream him against Cleveland and Detroit because those just look like two of the best teams to stream against, but I yeah, feel like pretty, we've, pretty boring. we've kind of done this with Danny Duffy yeah. forever. Uh, the only thing I'll point out with Jose DeLeon, he's only 8% rostered, so I'm sure that there are head-to-head points leagues where he is available yeah. and he has spark eligibility. Um, the sinker, he averaged 94 miles per hour with it on Monday. He used the pitch 73% of the time. So, yes, he had nine strikeouts, but I'm not... I'm not overly excited about him. The, the changeup is supposed to be his best pitch. And so, I mean, maybe he didn't need it in this one against <laughs> Pittsburgh. That'll definitely know, possible. That'll happen. But no, I just, the Sparp eligibility is really what stands out for him. You know, in a 12 team Roto league, I don't think you have to add Jose De Leon. Uh, if you were listening to this podcast, you should be listening to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, which is our five-minute podcast. Every weekday, Scott or Chris and myself hit on the biggest news, waiver wire options, and a pitchers to stream for the next day, some some bullpen updates as well, which is what we'll do on FBT in 5 uh, for Tuesday's podcast. So make sure to download and follow Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 wherever you listen to this podcast. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening on the audio side, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to check in on the Big Apple, the Bronx Bombers. Oh, brother. Here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. I'm not actually going to talk about the Yankees. I wanted to start with Jacob deGrom. He's, you know, hashtag good. There's not really much to say about it, but just thought I'd let everyone know. Six shutouts. Uh, innings, three hits, two walks, seven strikeouts against the Phillies, 16 whiffs on 77 pitches, what I thought was actually pretty interesting. Uh, this tweet from David Adler, Jacob deGrom threw 24 straight fastballs to open the game. He averaged 99.6 miles per hour, topping out at 102 miles per hour with that fastball before breaking off a 92 mile per hour slider uh, for a swinging strike on his 25th pitch of the game. He He had the hardest thrown pitch in the league. So far this season today, it's crazy. The 102 mile an hour pitch was uh, the hardest thrown pitch any player has had so far this season. Uh, Jacob Degrom did not throw his changeup at all in this start, exclusively fastball and slider. 
He used to change up 17% of the time last year. Frankly, I think he just probably didn't need it. I didn't like, I don't think there's nothing to see, there's anything to see here uh, with Jacob DeGrom. He did only throw 77 pitches and, um, Obviously, the Mets blew the game for him because that's what they always do. Uh, so some people think he could have won another inning, which I guess he, he, he could have. But yeah. when asked about it after the game, he said, 10 days without facing hitters, didn't want to throw too many pitches with the hope of pitching Saturday later on in the week. So whatever. Jacob DeGrom. Uh, the Yankees, the Bash Bros. Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton both hit their first home runs of the season on Monday. Uh, Stanton, 115 miles off the bat. That's it's pretty good, Chris. 471-foot grand slam for Stan. Not really much else to see there. Some other stuff that I noticed from Monday, Nelson Cruz. He's he's still good. He's still Nelson Cruz. He went three for six with a double. Sorry, God. <laughs> he went three for six with a double dong and five RBI. Uh, I made the terrible mistake of benching him in an 11-day 11, 11 week uh, scoring period where he didn't play at all in the National League Park facing the Brewers early in the season. So uh, that was just a terrible feeling to watch that. Um, what it was really fun. He he hit that grand slam, the pitch before. Uh, he hit what appeared to be a home run, and it hooked just found. He was arguing with the umpire. Uh, they didn't side with him. And so he come back on the next pitch and 114 mile per hour uh, <laughs> home run. He's still hasn't, doesn't, doesn't appear to have gotten worse yet. Nelson Cruz. Uh, I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Nelly. Uh, wh- which number is higher by the end of the season, Scott, regarding Nelson Cruz? His age or his home run total? He will be 41 years old by the end of the season. I think safe money is age. <laughs> I will, I'll take the under. It, but it might be close. It really might. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the under whenever the over-under is 40. I, honestly, what I'm most worried about is they were talking about this in spring with both him and Josh Donaldson is just because of how old they are. Maybe sitting them more this year. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I asked that question. I put out a Twitter poll on Monday and 51.2% say Nelson Cruz's age will be higher than his home run total. But that's close. That is uh, that. Whenever you see the, the, the poll that close, that's a good poll. A few updates on some starting pitchers, some some fringy guys from Monday. Uh, the first leg of a two-star week for Matt Shoemaker, who was at the Tigers. Please just stream stream your pitchers against the Tigers. Uh, six innings, one run, five strikeouts, zero walks, 11 whiffs on 92 pitches. He is 49% rostered, and I'm, I'm guessing it's that high because he has a two-star week. Logan Allen, who got some hype towards the end of spring training once we knew he was making the rotation for Cleveland, uh, up against the Royals, five innings, two runs, three strikeouts, only seven whiffs on 72 pitches. His velocity was down a little bit from last year, but he was also pitching out of the bullpen last season for Cleveland. Uh, Scott, did you notice anything here with, with Matt Shoemaker and Logan Allen that we need to highlight? No, not really. I mean, Shoemaker threw 33% splitters, which is always a good sign for him. That's his best pitch. But got to stay healthy. And even if he stays healthy, I don't think he'll be a big enough strikeout guy that'll have to be rostered in every league. He's... He's somebody you'll probably see a lot in like uh, the 10 sleeper pitchers for the upcoming scoring period, depending what the matchups are. Uh, Tristan McKenzie relieved Logan Allen, and uh, apparently Cleveland does not need a fifth starter until April 13th, so that is why they wanted to get Tristan McKenzie some work. He finished three and two-thirds, one and run, four walks, don't like that, but five strikeouts, 11 whiffs on 58 pitches, and I was watching that game. He looked pretty good. The stuff is the stuff definitely plays up for Tristan McKenzie, so... Um, you know, hopefully they don't baby him too much. Just 
once he gets in the rotation, they just let him pitch. But uh, I like what I saw there. Chris, someone asked me today if I would drop Tristan McKenzie for Steven Matz. And I actually said I would, but I didn't really, yeah, I didn't I feel great fine. about it. Yeah, I think it's fine. I'd rather stash McKenzie, but if he's not in the rotation to start the season, uh, you know, it'll be, it might be hard to, to stash him. Um, you know, I'm definitely facing a couple of situations in, in leagues where because I have guys like Wander Franco or, or Joe Adele or Zach Gallen, you know, I'm already starting to run into, I don't have anyone I can drop or anyone I want to drop. Um, and so sometimes you have to make tough decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of those scenarios where, you know, I'm just thinking about layman fantasy league, right? I'm not, I'm not thinking about a bunch of experts. If you drop McKenzie, a guy who isn't going to make his first start until when you said Frank, April 13th is about when they yeah. expect him to start. Yeah. I just, I just don't know that that's going to send, send the sharks, Send the yeah. piranhas swarming, you know, yep. to pick yep. them up. It's, it's also about, you know, when you drop someone, will they get picked up? That's part of the equation as well. Yep. Whitmerry Field already has three home runs for the Kansas City Royals. He has never hit more than 19 in a season. So a nice little power surge there to start the year for Merrifield. And Chris, I know that you were paying close attention to Mike fulton He was going up against the Blue Jays on Monday. Four innings, four earned. Did have seven strikeouts. The fastball velocity at 93.9 miles yeah. per hour, which is down a tick from 2019. And it's down about two and a half miles per hour from his breakout 2018. He's only 12% rostered, but... I think if you need to clear a roster space in a deeper league, you could, absolutely droppable. You could drop yeah. Mike Fultonevich. Let's yeah, uh, I've got him in one league. It's the 2014 Dynasty League, and that's because I had to have someone at pitcher at the end of a draft. So the fact that he's even in the rotation is a win for me at this point. Chris, I offered you Julio Arias and uh, Aaron Sanchez for Joe Musgrove last week in a Dynasty League. That wouldn't that wouldn't help. I mean, Aaron Sanchez is a starter. I'm not saying he's good, but. Yeah, that, that wouldn't help. <laughs> All right, well, I'll get Joe Musgrove out of you one way or another, sooner or later. Let's hit the bullpen. Call to the pen. See, uh, of course, there was a lot going on on Monday, as there always is, with the closer carousel. With the Tigers, Brian Garcia pitched in the seventh inning down 13-1. to one. He allowed three hits and two runs. Gregory Soto pitched in the eighth. He allowed one hit, one walk, and struck out two. So, advantage Soto over Garcia on Monday. For the Royals... Scott Barlow pitched in the seventh and the eighth inning. Jesse Hahn. Really, man? Jesse Hahn then came in uh, in the ninth inning with the Royals up three to z- uh, three zip. And Hahn was warming up in the eighth inning. So maybe it was just a thing where, okay, he was already loose because he was warming up for the eighth. Um, but, I mean, if you have Greg Holland, you don't feel great about that, Scott. Oh, nor if you spent... A bunch of fab on uh, Wade Davis, on Wade Davis, as I saw in a couple yeah. of my leagues this weekend. Yeah, Mike Matheny did this at the beginning of last season too, until it became apparent that Trevor Rosenthal deserved to be the Royals' closer. He'd just he'd just throw any guy out there, you know. And I think we're seeing that with a lot of teams. I I do think most of them will eventually settle on someone, but they're just kind of they're kind of letting it play out right now. In deeper leagues, would you take? Would you throw a dart at, at Jesse Hahn, Scott? I don't think so. Maybe AL only. <laughs> okay. Uh, for the Reds, Lucas Sims pitched in the eighth inning, up three to two, facing 
the 9-1-2 and two in the order. Uh, Amir Garrett was used in the ninth inning. They tacked on a few extra runs. The Reds did, so they were up 5-2 to two at the time. And Garrett was far from impressive. He allowed two hits, one being a home run. Uh, he also gave up... Uh, he also walked a batter, so... Amir Garrett is yep. the guy for now, and looks like Sims, he is Sims definitely looked better today. Yep. But I, I will point... Maybe the biggest development actually in that bullpen was Sean Doolittle who struck out two in a perfect seventh and his velocity was back like he, way up yeah 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 he looked he looked much better which I, I guess it's possible he could enter into the closer mix at some point but really more I'm thinking it's advan- it, it it helps Garrett's case of sticking in the closer role if they have another high leverage lefty there no that's fantastic point I didn't I didn't see that velocity on Sean Doolittle so Appreciate you bringing that up there as well. For the Cardinals, Jordan Hicks pitched in the sixth. Giovanni Gallegos went in the seventh and the eighth. And Alex Reyes came in for the save. I believe the score was four to one at the time. Uh, He did allow one hit. He didn't strike anyone out, but he converted the save. So you like to see that. Only 51% rostered for Alex Reyes. Chris, that number should be blank. Uh, 90, 95, 99. He's a very talented pitcher who's a closer. Like, well, what should that person be like? Is Julian Merriweather higher than him? He shouldn't be. So I'm not going to argue with you. At least whatever Julian Merriweather is. Two closers who weren't used on Monday because they've been used a lot recently. I think it was back-to-back days for both of these guys, but Hector Neris was not used for the Phillies. Uh, Jose Alvarado picked up the save, but he was pretty rocky himself. Craig Kimbrell was not used for the Chicago Cubs. He pitched in back-to-back days. Alec Mills picked up the save for the Cubbies. And just uh, Julian Merriweather is also on a rostered in 51% of leagues. So, yeah. Reyes Re- should be at least I mean, 52. Oh, okay. Reyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I Reyes, still, Reyes I, should I still be like 85, 90%, I think. I do still think it's Jordan Hicks's job in the long run, but I mean, if you could only pick one Cardinals reliever to roster, I think it has to be Reyes right now. Yeah, and, and I don't think they're going to remove him from the role unless he gives them a reason to do so. So if he yeah, performs, the then they're just going to leave him there. I don't. I don't see why yeah. they would change it. Teams I think that's a big if. But. I just don't think teams want to, you know, change horses in the middle of the proverbial stream. Uh, so if Reyes is pitching well, I, I think it's it's his job. I mentioned I had a Rockies note at the top of the podcast, and shout out to Bud Elliott, one of our. Uh, one of our other producers here at CBSSports.com, he does a bunch of awesome stuff with college football, but he pointed me out that for the Colorado Rockies, by July 4th, they will have played 48 home games and 37 road games. So I thought it was pretty interesting, and someone was trying to make a trade with him, so that's why he pointed it out. So, uh, I mean, if anyone gets off to a slow start and you're looking to buy low on Rockies early in the season and then maybe sell them off in the second half of the year because they will play less home games in the second half of the season. I just thought that that was an interesting nugget there for the Colorado Rockies. Let's uh, let's hit some of these West Coast games and give people a little update on what's going on. Uh, they actually did let Carlos Rodon go through the fifth inning, final line for him. Five shutout, two hits, three walks, nine strikeouts for Rodon. Yeah, he, the command wasn't there at the end. Uh, he actually has been throwing the curveball. Baseball savant just hasn't reclassified the slider as a curve or hasn't picked up on it yet, but they'll probably do that tomorrow. Uh, but he's got like a 72 to 75 mile per hour curve that he's thrown like four or five times. So uh, Rodon is a, a four pitch pitcher. Um, although he threw the change of curveball about 11 times total on 99, 95 pitches. So, you know, 
yeah, still not harping on the walks. I mean, two hits in five innings with nine yeah. Ks. Yeah, uh, other update there. from that is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mercedes uh, has three batted balls, 103.6 miles per hour, 104.2 miles per hour, and 112.2. And he has two hits right now. Pretty good. A double, two runs scored. He still, he's his roster rate is not that high still. I mean, I don't know yeah. how high this number has to get to, but as long as he he's hitting, he's going to play. He's 47% he hitting roster. the ball. He wasn't hitting the ball particularly hard before this game, um, for what it's worth. He only had a 33.3% hard hit rate, uh, only two barrels, 85.5 mile per hour exit velocity. So, you know, this is impressive. You know, the 112.4 or whatever max exit velo, that's pretty good. So, you know, just still, still an interesting guy, not necessarily someone I think it needs to be rostered in all leagues, but definitely anywhere where he's catcher eligible. Yes, which is on ESPN. So if you play in an ESPN league, Go add your me Mercedes, and more more than more than likely you will be starting him at catcher unless you I don't know have Salvador Perez or JT Real Muto or or Wilson Contreras. Uh, anything else in this game on the other side for the Mariners? Justice Sheffield, uh, yeah, yeah, five innings, yeah. eight hits, six runs, four of those earned. Did have five strikeouts, two walks. Uh, he hit a batter. That's uh, pretty a pretty blast start here for yeah. Justice Sheffield. Blah. Blah. Yeah, I nah, wouldn't. I wouldn't like. It. I wouldn't say I'm dropping Justice Sheffield, but you know, I have him in a handful of leagues, and if it comes to it, like if I have the opportunity to add Rodon or or Rogers, I would probably rather have those guys than than Sheffield. Uh, Anthony DiScalfani against the Padres. It's a DiScalfani's Giants debut. Five innings, one one run, four strikeouts against the Padres. There, Donovan Solano picked up another hit and. Stole a base. Ha Seung Kim. That's a name to pay attention to if there's anything serious with Fernando Tatis, which just please yeah. cross your fingers that that is not the case. But uh, Kim could, you know, potentially walk into an everyday role here with the San Diego Padres. Adrian Morejon made his uh, season debut in the rotation for the Padres. Four innings, two runs, one walk, two strikeouts there. Frankie Montas, man. Uh, we should talk about him because he got just lit up by the Dodgers and I get it. It's the Dodgers which is fine. And the Velo was way up for Montas, but like he was all over the place, had no command two and two thirds, seven hits, seven earned three walks, four strikeouts coming off a, an inconsistent year. Let's call it in 2020. Scott, I, you know, I'm not going to say make any rash decisions and, and drop Montas, but this is not what you want to see in his first start of the season, obviously. No, but if you're looking for a reason to be encouraged, he threw his splitter, 23% of the time, I believe, which is much more than we saw last year. And, you know, that's what we were crediting for his breakthrough in 2019. He acknowledged the spring he needed to get back to throwing it, and he did. So that's, you know, that that's good to see. We're going to need to see some results to go with that sooner than later. But Yeah, he he didn't really have a feel for the splitter in, in this game, especially early on. He bounced. I was looking at the, like, Illustrator box score thing, and Looks like he bounced like 12 of the 21 splitters that he threw. Um, so, you know, definitely needs to have more better command of that. Yeah, the velo, I mentioned it was up. So the splitter was up almost two miles per hour. His slider, Frankie Montas' slider against the Dodgers was up almost five miles per hour. He was throwing his slider 90.8 miles per hour. So I think he was just like really amped up and, and potentially overthrowing here. First start of the season for him, but... 
I'm not dropping him yet, but he, ne- he obviously needs to. He needs to get better. The more interesting guy might be the other guy pitching in that game, starting in that game. Dustin May, who yeah. has always had great stuff, but didn't get many strikeouts, didn't get many whiffs. Uh, 16 swinging strikes on 85 pitches today. Eight strikeouts in six innings, no walks. Um, you know, Nine swinging strikes with his cutter. He threw 18 of them and got nine swinging strikes. I mean, that pitch is ludicrous. He throws it. He's got a 93-mile-an-hour cutter. Um, so, you know, it's still like he was still mostly sinker fastball, sinker four seams. So, um, you know, 68% of his pitches were those. I think it's going to be hard for him to remain uh, a high whiff pitcher if he remains so sinker and four seamer heavy. But um, this was a good, uh, it was a very good first start for Dustin May. Definitely a step in the right direction. And, and seeing those whiffs being there and using his breaking stuff a little bit more than he normally does, that's definitely an encouraging sign for. One Dustin May. I do want to highlight a couple people that are talking in the YouTube chat right now. They're they're talking about potentially dropping Andrew Vaughn for Nate Lowe. And nah. Andrew Vaughn actually did start for the White Sox on Monday and pull up and see what he's doing right now. But he is 0 for 2 with a walk mm. and two strikeouts. Scott, we're, we're, we're not there yet, right? RBI and two strikeouts, not a walk. RBI. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not... Uh... I'm not doing that. Too much upside there. Too much promise. Worth a longer look than four games, five games. And I'll just point out, AJ Puck pitched in this game. Uh, three and a third in relief. Four strikeouts. Velocity not anywhere near where it needs to be. 93.7 miles per hour with his four-seamer. Maxed out at 95.6. Needs to be much higher than that. But, uh, you know, good first appearance for AJ Puck. Someone to keep an eye on if he... You know, when he gets a rotation spot, which should happen eventually. In that Astros Angels game, there's not a whole lot going on. Quintana, Jose Quintana, and Luis Garcia, the starting pitchers in this game, were not great. Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, and Jose Altuve each have two hits on Monday night. As of now, they might even add on to that. But Altuve and Bregman in particular are off to really, really great starts this season. Mike Trout hit his first homer of the year, which is. Not surprising. He's Mike Trout. He'll do that. And he yeah, is he'll do that. He is awesome. Scott, Ty Buttry, man. I don't know if you have any if you have any feelings about Ty Buttry. Uh it's pretty late in the podcast. If if you have anything oh, you'd like to say about him, you, you could do it today. If you want to save it for tomorrow, you could do that too. But I'll leave it up Frank, to you, Scott. Frank. What do you got? I once knew a man named Lorenzo. Last name Kane, like mine, only spelled differently. No E. So I went to the store for the first time in two, three years, walked on over to the bakery counter and said to the young man, hello, sir, I'd like a scone with blueberries. He said to me, yes, sir. And how would you like that scone? I gave him a little sideways look because everybody knows by now how Michael Caine likes his scones. I said to him, I'll take it the same way I take my toast, buttery. He said to me, no, sir. I'm afraid that's impossible. I said to him, well, then I'll just take some toast, buttery. He said to me, no, sir, you misunderstand me. It's not the scone that's the problem. It's the buttery. I said to him, now, how can it be possible for a bakery not to offer bread that's buttery? He said to me, well, sir, the young man we hired to butter our bread has taken an early retirement. I said to him, Well, sir, 
Do you have anything else? He said to me, I do have some rye to sell. So ends the travails of the young pitcher named Ty Buttry. But Ty didn't die. He's living his best life. And I have this fantasy that one year, while on holiday in a cafe in Florence, I would look across the tables and see him there. He wouldn't say anything to me, nor me to him. But we'd both know that he'd made it. That he was happy. (laughs) Fantastic job. Once again, the retirement of Ty Buttry. Maybe. Nah, we'll, we'll... It'll happen at some point again, but maybe one of the last times you hear the old Scotty White, Michael Caine impression. Should, should I read this poem from Nate in California too? Since he, uh... <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, I'll read it in the Michael Caine voice. Twas a crisp, cold spring morning when Scott did arise to scan the previous day's box scores with his discerning of eyes. He looked at the angels and thoughts sprang with a flash. What if Michael Caine read the names that he saw on the dash. We heard uproarious tales of toast and of jam. Oh, what a name God had blessed on this man. But fast forward two years, and he's gone like old tea. Please pour one out for the career of old Ty Buttery. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, man, great job there. Again, shout out to Ty Buttery. I never thought that any fantasy baseball podcast would, would highlight Ty Buttery's uh, retirement this much, but here you go. You, you, gotta, you give the people what you want. <laughs> you got to give it to them. Uh, I'm not seeing, seeing any update. I really wanted to give you know the people something on Fernando Tatis, but there's just there's nothing out here right now. Uh, we'll just wrap up with some uh, to stream or not to stream for Tuesday. This is for anyone who plays in a daily lineup league. If you, if you have bad pitchers, this segment is for you. If you have Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom, you probably don't have both of them, but if you have aces on your team, chances are you're not streaming pitchers. If you punted pitcher, Maybe you want to stream some of these guys, and we will find out right now. Jay Happ at the Detroit Tigers. To stream or not to stream? You just said stream your pitchers against the Tigers, but I'm going to say no to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd pass. I mean, they made Matt Shoemaker look good, man. Oh, God. It's they're so Um, bad. Shoemaker's not bad. We are not streaming Jay Happ. How about Casey Mize on the other side, side against the Twins? I'm I'm not streaming him because he's on my bench in a bunch of leagues. <laughs> I agree. I would not. Yeah, stream I want to see either. it first. I want to see yeah. it first. But no, not stream, but watch very, very intently. I he would could agree with be. That. I don't know what his roster rate is, but he could be someone who we're talking about as just an absolute must add after tomorrow night. Yes, the velocity was up throughout the spring for Casey yep. Mize, and he is 55% rostered in CBS leagues right now. Drew Smiley at yep. the Nationals. We don't um, know who's not available for them. I saw Josh yeah. Bell and Trey Turner weren't taking grounders today. I don't know if that uh, they haven't announced who's not on the roster, right? Only they haven't. Kyle Schwarber and Josh Harrison, I know for sure, are not going to be there. But yeah, the, the only name that matters in terms of whether you use Smiley is Schwarber, but you know, there's a chance there's more. But you know, just regardless, you know, he's not giving you a quality start. I would fall out of my chair if he went six innings. <laughs> Um, but you know, he might give you a lot of strikeouts and a few yeah. innings. One of those, one of those 4.2 inning, eight strikeout starts we've been seeing this first week. He could give you something like what Trevor Rogers and Carlos Rodon did. So would you actually stream him? Depends if you need that. <laughs> if you need strikeouts, then I think we're okay streaming true smiley. He's more likely to hurt you to help you than hurt you. I think 
Following Drew Smiley, we have Wade Miley versus the Pirates. No. Mm. No, not even against the Pirates. Martin Perez versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Nope. No. Adbert Alzali against the Brewers. Maybe. That's more of a watch for me, like with Mize. Yeah. I would agree with that. John Gant at the Marlins. No. I mean, the Marlins are just another team where I'm I'm ready to stream anyone, but yeah, probably not with with John Gant. Dane Dunning against the Blue Jays. No. Uh, Tanner Roark at Texas. No. No. No, I'll watch Dunning, though. Uh, Aaron Sanchez at the Padres, no. Chase Anderson nope. at the Mets, no. Nope. Trevor Cahill at the Reds. So, it looks like Drew Smiley might be the only one for you if you are looking for strikeouts. Some team name Tuesday, Tuesday as we wrap up here. This one's from Joshua. Gemini Mancini. That's pretty good. From Kyle, Romano's Macarosa Grill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's, that's probably the best reaction I've ever heard from Scott. I like the food ones. That's the ones that make me laugh. This one's from Matt. You say what I means. Yep. From Thomas, Brandon Steel Meow. I don't understand what this is going for. This I don't I, understand what the meow part of it is. I don't know what it, the steel part of it is. I don't know what the Brandon part of it is. This took about a minute for me to There's a golfer realize. named Brandon Steele. Is that what it's referring to? No, I'll give you guys a minute to think about it and, and see. This one's from Henry. Woodruff and Bernstein. Yep, yep. Uh, from Doug. Again. Robles Oblige. Oblige. <laughs> Robles Oblige. Oh, okay. I like to be pronounced. Is that something <laughs> that everyone's supposed to know and it's just one of those things that I don't know like everything else? I, I don't uh, know. I, I, I know it because I like I'm interested in French history. Yes. So apparently... Banks says it in Mary Poppins, so it makes me laugh. Um, Noblesse oblige. Noblesse oblige. The responsibility of privileged people to act with generosity and nobility toward those less privileged. Yep. That's exactly the definition I found when I looked it up earlier today. All right. So Brandon Steele Meow, actually, once I figured it out, I, I laughed pretty hard at this. Um, Brandon Wood Ruff. Woodruff. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Heath team name. <laughs> sure. Sure. All right, that's a great way to end the Let's podcast. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.